In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to discuss several second round picks that have shined in Las Vegas. These guys have, I would say, exceeded expectations. They outplayed quite a few first round picks. So stay tuned to find out the top second round picks from the 2023 NBA Draft from Las Vegas. Big shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And I am excited because we are getting closer, at least for me, to the start of the 2024 NBA Draft cycle. 2023 is wrapping up. There's only a couple more games left of Summer League. Summer League ends on the 17th. And so right now, pretty much... Most teams are out of it. There's a few more games left, but let's just talk about the guys that have really caught my attention. But before I get into that, I want to mention that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're a first time user, you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100, but you have to use the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on and also please like subscribe share that is the best way to grow the 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 audience for the locked on nba big board channel and again i know this draft cycle is about to end and a lot of times people aren't really paying attention to the draft in september and august and october and so on but stay tuned keep checking us out we're gonna have content consistently and again i'm already looking forward to the 2024 draft class doesn't have the star power as 23 but it's wide open for who's going to be the number one pick in next year's draft i've started the research started watching film i have some scouting reports so stay tuned for the 2024 nba draft and that content will start next week all right let's talk about the guys that have really stood out in summer league as second round picks now we always talked about this class being a, a good class, maybe even a deep class. And I've mentioned several times that I thought there were quite a few players that I felt like had a first round grade that were going to fall to the second round. And then there's some guys that I did not think were going to be second round picks that ended up falling to the second round. But the guy that has stood out to me in Las Vegas as a second round pick has been Hunter Tyson. Now Tyson I was shocked to see him go where he went. I believe he was pick number 37. That was shocking to me because he just doesn't have the same path as a lot of guys in, in this draft class. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was a fifth year senior. He waited his turn at Clemson and had to just really work his way up from Portsmouth to the G League invite camp to the NBA combine then ends up being a second round pick and in the summer league i mean you can make a case a strong case and say he's been one of the top five to ten rookies in this draft class if there was a first team second team third team all rookie i guarantee you hunter tyson would be on it he's averaging where he's he may or may be done but 21.8 points per game six rebounds he's shooting 51 percent from three on seven attempts per game I'm going to say it one more time, 
51% from three on seven attempts per game. Had a game against Miami where he shot 11 of 13 from the floor. 11 of 13 from the floor, had 31 points. He made seven out of his nine three-point attempts. So of course, when you, when you make seven out of nine, that's gonna boost you up to a high percentage in such a short amount of games. But Hunter Tyson has been phenomenal in that game against Miami. He also chipped in four rebounds, two assists. And what I like is that it's easy to classify him and put him in a box as a shooter, but he's done more than just shoot the ball. I mean, there was a play where they used him as a ball handler where he ran an inverted pick and roll with Jalen Pickett set the screen. And of course the defense is confused when your point guard is setting the screen, but the defense followed Pickett, he drained the three. There was another play where he got the ball and I think he made like a fake pass and shot a wonderful pull up three. Hunter Tyson has a chance to help the Nuggets next year. Now I know Peyton Watson and Christian Brown are probably, you can make a case to say they're probably higher priorities and even Julian Strother for the Nuggets, but Hunter Tyson seems like he's going to be difficult to keep off the floor. He has experience on his side. Again, I mentioned he's a fifth year guy and he's just been phenomenal in the summer league. 21.8 points per game in Las Vegas. Out of all the players that have played enough games, that would put him at fourth in scoring. And overall, he's shooting 58% from the floor, 51.7% from three, and 89% from the foul line. So Hunter Tyson has really stood out. And he's someone that I personally did not talk about a lot in this draft cycle. Kind of came on late for me. I did have my, my doubts about him as an NBA player. I definitely didn't see him shining the way that he has shined so far in Las Vegas. But Hunter Tyson has been the second round pick that has stood out the most to me. And then there is Leonard Miller. Leonard Miller has, you know, I've talked about Leonard Miller quite a bit. I've thought that Leonard Miller was was a first round pick. If, if, I, if it were totally up to me, I would have taken him at number 20 for the Nets. And he's been great, despite the fact that he averaged about 17 and 10 in the G League, despite the fact that he was their best prospect at the end of last season. Yes, I said it. Leonard Miller was the best player on the G League Ignite at the end of the season. Scoot Henderson had basically shut it down. Leonard Miller had a 20-20 game. And he was just phenomenal. I mean, he and he was playing a role that I didn't expect him to play. I thought he was going to play more like a point forward. Adjusted to this new role as like a finisher, cutter, rebounder, excelled. And somehow, he falls to number 33. And then the team that selected him, which the San Antonio Spurs don't make a lot of mistakes, immediately traded him to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Leonard Miller has been great. His first game... 16 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block on 7 of 11 shooting. I mean, he just continues to stuff the stat sheet, whether it's in, in the G League and in the Summer League. And then he had a game against Utah where he had 20 points, five rebounds, two assists, three steals. And heading into like the, the final weekend, Leonard Miller's averaging like 16 points per game, eight rebounds. And then if you're in the stocks, which is steals and blocks, two and a half stocks per game, 49% from the floor, shooting 37% from three, 80% from the foul line. Again, for the life of me, I do not understand how Leonard Miller fell to the second round. 
I would have selected him at at least at number 20 or, or, or 21 for Brooklyn. I know they had two picks. Maybe it's 21 and 22. It's it's very late. But I would have definitely taken Leonard Miller in the first round. And then another player that has stood out to me, and he came on the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast a few weeks back. Check it out. If you missed it, scroll down, and you will find I did an interview with Jordan Walsh. Jordan is a player that I've followed since his, his high school days in the Dallas area. And here's the thing about Jordan Walsh. He came into this draft cycle with a reputation as a defender. Everybody knew he could defend. He was athletic. 7-3 wingspan. And he talked about it on my podcast about the improvements that he's made as a shooter and that an underrated aspect of his game is his ability to make plays and pass. And Walsh was put into this box as just a defender. And, and I get it. He only averaged seven points per game in Arkansas and only shot 28% from three. So you weren't expecting him to do what he's been able to do in the summer league. And what he's been able to do is average 17 points, five rebounds, 37% from three on six attempts per game. Yes, Jordan Walsh, the same Jordan Walsh that a lot of people thought was a liability and, and they blamed him for Arkansas's lack of floor space. And not solely put the blame on him, but he was one of the, the, the people that when you thought about Arkansas's lack of floor spacing, he was one of the people that you, you thought was a problem. And, and I get it, 28% from three, totally understand it. And the criticism about his shooting is fair. Now I did hear that he had a workout with Boston where he made 72 out of his 103 point attempts. And I had some video from a workout, a private workout this summer where he, he was just knocking down threes. And of course, you know, like if you post a video, and I actually had the video and I never posted it, but if you post a video of a guy shooting threes in an open gym workout, people are gonna say, ah, it's an open gym, you know, there's nobody in there, I expect this. But I was impressed by just, one, the confidence and just how different his shot looked as far as the way it was just coming off his hands. And at one point during the season, I didn't think he was very confident in his three-point shot, but he let it fly, and he's been letting it fly confidently this summer. He's attempting six threes per game. Again, Jordan Walsh is attempting six threes per game, and he's making 37% of them. And his first game, he was impressive, came out the gates just ready to prove people wrong at 18 points he had four of his six threes in, in the game and shot over 50 percent from the floor then he had another game against the lakers where he had 25 points eight rebounds two assists and a steal and overall 17 points five rebounds 37 percent from three for jordan walsh which is not bad for a guy who was drafted based off of his defense all right when we return i want to talk about Jalen Wilson, the Big 12 Player of the Year who fell to number 51, who has looked good in Summer League, and then also Tumani Kamara. But first, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is it's daily fantasy made easy. And all you have to do is pick two to six players, and you decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money. Yes, 20 five times your money there's no competing against other people it is just it is just you versus the projections and prize picks offers projections on pretty much any sport you can think of whether it's nba nfl major league baseball pga college football college basketball women's college basketball 
soccer, WNBA, NASCAR, tennis, boxing. I mean, the list goes on. And all you have to do is just pick two to six players and decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projections. The entries can be made at 60 seconds or less. It is that simple, it is that easy. It is safe, you get your money out quickly. And it is currently operational in 30 states and to our neighbors to the north in Canada. So all you have to do is download the Price Picks app and go to pricepicks.com and just play daily fantasy sports. And if you are a first time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But you gotta use the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Alright, once again, big shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in the next episode, I'm gonna talk about the undrafted players. We had a deep class of undrafted players in 2023 that made an impact in Summer League. A few guys that I think are going to make NBA rosters. I mean, there's some guys that I think are going to get two ways, but there's some guys that I think have a really, really good chance of cracking the roster. Maybe not the rotation. Maybe. In some cases, maybe the rotation. But I do think there are some guys that went undrafted that will get a standard contract. All right. Let's talk about Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson was the Big 12 Player of the Year. He has a great pedigree coming from Kansas. He helped the Jayhawks win a national championship as a junior. And then this year, he averaged 20 points, 8 rebounds per game. And he still fell to number 51. So you're talking about the, the player of the year and arguably the best conference. I know if you're a Big East fan, you're going to, you know, considering UConn won a championship. But overall, I think the Big 12 was the toughest conference. So we have the player of the year, a guy that put up really good numbers, won a championship, and he barely got drafted, fell into the 50s. And the big concern about Jalen Wilson is some people said he's just not athletic enough to play in the NBA. And then the biggest concern was his three-point shooting. Now, for his career at Kansas, he shot below 30% from three, and that was helped by him shooting 33% from three as a senior. Well, was he a senior? I know he redshirted a year, I mean, but you know, these years in college basketball are tricky. A guy can be a junior one year and then he's a junior the next year because he decided that one year doesn't count because of the COVID, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, Jalen Wilson has all the accolades, but for whatever reasons, and, and, and I guess the reasons are legit. Again, the concerns are the lack of athleticism and the shooting. But he has quietly addressed the concerns about his outside shooting in the small sample size of Summer League, again, a guy that shot less than 30% from three is 9 of 18 from three in the Summer League games. So he's averaging 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists. And Jalen Wilson has, has, has been good. He had one game where he scored 17 points. He made five out of 12 shots, which isn't great, but he also added 17, also added seven rebounds. And Wilson is someone that he just inked a two-way contract with the Nets. Now, there's a chance that I think, especially the way that he's played, I think that he can be on the Nets roster. I do think he'll spend some time with the Long Island Nets, but I think he's done enough to show that he can provide some, some rotation minutes if needed. So I'm giving Jalen Wilson 
A. If I were given grades, I would give Jalen Wilson probably an A for the way that he's played in the summer league and the way he's exceeded expectations. Right. Let's talk about Imani Bates. Imani Bates is a guy that has a huge following and group of supporters. And it, he, he's one of the more divisive prospects. There are people who like Imani Bates. And there are people who are just anti-Imani Bates. They think he's a chucker. They think he's a ball hog. They don't think that he contributes to winning basketball. And all of those concerns are valid and fair. But also, whether you like Imani Bates or not, you cannot deny that he is a shot maker. He is someone that is capable of, of getting hot and just scoring instantly. I mean, he's a microwave scorer, a tough shot taker. But he does some things that very few people in the world can do at his size. He's an incredible shooter off the dribble, has good range. I don't think anybody had any concerns about his ability to score. The concerns were how he's going to score within the offense. Is he going to play within? Is he going to play the team game? Is he going to take a bunch of heat check shots? And I feel like whether you like Imani Bates or you were low on Imani Bates. He's been Imani Bates <laughs> so far in the summer league. The numbers aren't good. The shooting numbers, he struggled early. 39% um, from the floor, 35% from three, which is pretty good. He's made all of his free throw attempts, but it's not on a high volume of attempts. But he had a game where if you are Imani Bates supporter, this is a game where you can say, see, this is what Imani Bates can bring to the table. Had a game against Memphis where he had 21 points, four rebounds, made seven out of his 11 shots, and five of eight from three. And then I saw someone say, well, you know, we all know when Imani's on, he can score. But what does he bring to the table when he's not scoring? Valid, fair, but I think Imani has shown that he, he is an NBA player. He can come in and contribute and score and get hot. Definitely needs to get stronger. It's settling for a lot of threes, but in a pinch, if a team is looking for some outside shooting and someone that can come in and, and well, I shouldn't say a team, Cleveland, if Cleveland is looking for somebody that can come in and, and knock down open shots, I think he can play off of Donovan Mitchell if he accepts that role as a spot-up shooter and then allows his role as a spot-up shooter to expand once the coaching staff in the front office gets more comfortable. I think Imani Bates can come in and help the Cleveland Cavaliers as a rookie. I really do think so. All right. Want to talk about Tumani Kamara. Tumani is also another player that came on the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. We recorded an interview right after the combine. And he's someone that wasn't on a lot of draft boards, despite having a very, very productive year at Dayton. A lot of people didn't even think he was the best prospect on Dayton's basketball team, but Amani, I'm sorry, but Tumani, again, Amani, Tumani, getting them mixed up. It's actually 312 in the morning while I'm recording this. But Tumani was selected number 52 overall, I think, especially considering that the Suns have so many big contracts and they're gonna be looking for some, some cheap depth at the end of the roster. I think Tumani can help the Phoenix Suns this year. So far, he's averaged 15 points per game, six rebounds, shooting 48% from the floor. In his first game against the Bucks in summer league, he had 20 points, eight rebounds. And then he had another game where the numbers weren't like, they didn't stand out on paper, but he just does a little bit of everything. Had a game where he had 11 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, 
against the, I think it was the Miami, but it was like an ugly, low-scoring game. I mean, the game wasn't even in the 80s. It was like 78 to 73. He had 11 points, made half of his shots. And then he had a game. It was after missing a game. It was weird. The Suns did load management, or I should call it load management. You know, he follows Summer League. There are times where teams have a guy and they're going to sit him out they're going to give somebody on the back end of the roster an opportunity to play but after sitting out a game um tumani came back and had a game where he scored 14 points grabbed seven rebounds shot five of 14 from the floor but overall 15.6 rebounds 48 percent from the floor now I, I will say that he's done a little bit of everything as far as showing that he can screen and enroll with finishing transition and defend the outside shot just has not been falling in summer league. And this is from a guy that, in, in my opinion, out of all the pro days that I attended this spring, had the best pro day as far as blending, knocking down open shots, showing that he's athletic and can handle the ball. So I think he's a much better shooter than the numbers indicate, but he's really struggled with the shooting, even from the foul line, which is actually surprising. But I think Tumani Kamara can, can help the Phoenix Suns and, and provide some, some minutes at some point during the season. All right, when we return, I'll wrap it up and talk about a couple Penn State guys that were second round picks that I thought have, have played well this summer. All right, last segment. I wanna talk about a couple guys from Penn State and Jalen Pickett and Seth Lundy, but before I get into them, gotta give a shout out to Keontae Johnson. And if you're not familiar, Keontae Johnson has an incredible story Collapsed on the floor at Florida, basically sat out two years, had a strong season at Kansas State, ended up being a 50th pick. I personally think he's in a roster crunch. I mean, the Thunder have so much talent. They have a lot of talent. It's going to be hard to keep everyone happy. I mean, they're going to have guys that are going to play for the Oklahoma City Blue, which is their G League team that are going to absolutely dominate. And I don't know, they're, they're in an interesting situation. I've talked about it before. I saw something that Oklahoma City could be in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. And if you're Portland, you gotta like what the Thunder have to offer over what Miami is offering. I know Miami can offer like Tyler Hero and you know, I like Nikola Jovic and, and Jaime Jaquez and some picks. But the Thunder, they have some really really intriguing prospects and 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 maybe a guy like Keontae Johnson would be thrown in the deal if, if it were to happen but Johnson has played well 13 points per game has not really missed shooting 58 percent from the floor five rebounds and and coming into to to the game on Friday he was actually shooting 64 percent from the floor but kind of struggled a little bit in in the last game but overall he's played well um, had a quiet first game where I think he only had like seven points. And then he had uh, two games in the middle. I think he's played four games. The two games in the middle, he showed what he's capable of. Had a 19.5 rebound game. And he shot 9 of 14 from the floor against the Rockets. And then he had a game against Indiana where he came off the bench and scored 18 points. Made seven out of nine shots in 26 minutes off the bench. So Keontae Johnson has been good for the Thunder. I just don't know where he gets minutes, even in the best case scenario. I mean, you figure you got Jalen Williams who's bulked up. Like Jalen Williams looks like he's put on like 
Now he looks like he's put on 13 pounds of muscle. Chet Holmgren looks the same to me, but you got Chet, you got the two Jalen Williams, you got Jalen Williams from Arkansas who's in the summer league, is continuing to take charges. Like, he's a guy that if I were a ball player and I'm driving to the rim and I see him, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I gotta shoot the floater because he is going to take a charge, but you got the two Jalen Williams, even though they play different positions, you got Keontae, I mean, you got a lot of depth with the Thunder. But anyway, Keontae Johnson, I don't know if he will crack their rotation or not, but you have to be pleased with how he's played. Another guy I want to talk about briefly, Gigi Jackson fell to number 45. He's shown some flashes. He's shown some flashes of what he's capable of. I know he had a 23-point game in the, um, in, in the Salt Lake City Summer League. Then he had a 15.5 rebound game. I mean, he's shown some flashes. He actually had a game today or, or Friday where he had three assists. I think there's like a point where he had like 30-something field goal attempts without a single without a single assist. So for GG3, assists is good, but he's shown the flashes. And he's had to play like as a floor spacer, which was not really like his... I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was his greatest attribute at South Carolina, but I thought he's done a good job of knocking down open shots. And um, yeah, so I, th I thought Gigi has played well. He's someone that, again, talent-wise, I think I would have taken him really high. At one point, I would have said number five. But I think, again, if he's in next year's draft class, he's the number one pick. All right, but let's talk about the two Penn State guys. You know, you know Penn State is not a program when you think of pumping out NBA talent, you don't think of Penn State. Or when you think of Penn State, you don't think of basketball talent. You think of uh, as a football school. But Jalen Pinkett was a number 32 pick. Uh, has a unique game. I know Illinois' Brad Underwood said that he plays booty ball. And he's basically just talking about him as, as this wide body guy that just backs down defenders that can post up, wait for double teams. And he's such a phenomenal playmaker has great vision that you know it's like you pick your poison do you double team or do you let them you know get buckets and single coverage and he's brought that style to the nba summer league he's averaging 13 points per game five rebounds six assists 1.6 steals he's even blocking shots and i mean he's been efficient 55 percent from the floor 50 percent from three but the 57 percent from the foul line is a little bit uh you know a little bit to worry about I wonder, I wonder, hear me out here, I wonder is Pickett the guy that Denver is planning to slide into the Bruce Brown role? There are a little bit of similarities. Bruce Brown played point at Miami and, you know, wasn't necessarily a traditional NBA point guard and Detroit gave up on him, then Brooklyn used him as a screener, then Denver used him as just a weapon. But I wonder is Pickett that guy because Pickett can't pass. You know he can pass. He can knock down open shots. He can shoot off the dribble. He can post up. Maybe not as good of a cutter and not the athlete, but as far as just this jack of all trades, wild card that you can throw in in different lineups, I wonder, is that Jalen Pickett? Speaking of the Nuggets, I mean, they lost Jeff Green. They lost Bruce Brown, but I thought their draft class was pretty good, despite the fact that their summer league team was not good but like I said Hunter Tyson talked about him Jalen Pickett's played well I think Christian Brown is due for a, a bigger role same thing with maybe Peyton Watson Julian Strother so I, I like what Denver has done all right let's talk about his teammate Seth Lundy 
Seth was the number 46 pick, and he's averaging 10 points per game, shooting 38% from three. He's someone that I thought had a really good NBA combine. I thought that helped him out. And I mean, he can shoot. He really can shoot. He's only getting like 17 minutes per game, but he's averaging, again, 10 points per game, five rebounds in 17 minutes. He's shooting seven threes per game, so he's getting them up. Seven three-point attempts in 17 minutes. He had a game where he had 14 points in, again, just 17 minutes against, uh, I think it was Minnesota, and he made four out of 10 of his shots, and he made all of his three, he made four three-pointers, four of 10 from three, and added five rebounds in the block. And I mean, I, I think Seth Lundy is going to be really good. I just do not know how he's going to crack the Hawks rotation. I think he's gonna get some minutes playing for the, their G League team. I think he's gonna do fine there. But he's in a, a situation similar to Keontae Johnson. I just do not know where he's gonna be able to find minutes. Despite having such a strong summer league, I just don't know if there's a clear path to playing time, but you never know in the NBA. I've heard people say in the NBA, you are gonna get opportunity. There's gonna be injuries, there's gonna be trades, there's gonna be time, there's gonna be a time where you get your opportunity. You just gotta make the most of it. So Seth Lundy, I think he has a projectable role in the NBA as a, as a shooter. He's a guy that can shoot off movement. And so if there is a situation where he, where he, Gets an opportunity, I think I think he'll be fine. He's actually shot the ball better. Again, it's a small summer league sample, but he shot the ball better than A.J. Griffin, who was a first-round pick last year. All right, well, that wraps up this episode. Again, in the next episode, I'm going to talk about the undrafted free agents that have stood out and caught my attention and shine in the Las Vegas Summer League. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I am out. <laughs>